Among all essential workers during the pandemic, the nation's teachers face a unique challenge. Distance learning has made existing inequities even more obvious. Everything from poor internet, not having a quiet place to study, or having to care for sick and family members makes teaching harder when students are staying at home. Here's how local teachers are coping with this societal problem. For the San Diego Union-Tribune, I'm Daniel Wheaton, and this is your San Diego News Fix. Kristen Takeda, you cover education for the San Diego Union-Tribune. You recently covered this issue. But before we dive too deep into teachers themselves, uh, can you give us a refresher on where schooling stands? Most students are still distance learning, right? Yes, that's correct. So um, actually, most districts have reopened, at least partially, Um, but a lot of them are only doing part-time in-person learning. A lot of them are, have only brought back certain grades of students or certain groups of students. So even though most districts have kind of reopened, there's the, the majority of students in the County are still in distance learning. And actually, um, it might, that number might continue to rise as the COVID surge gets worse. People might be more uh, wanting more to stay home um, since it's getting the levels are getting really high now. So, um, yeah, there's still lots of students who are and then there are lots of students who their only choice is to do distance learning still. So that includes like San Diego Unified, uh, all the South County school districts um, and several other schools. Mm-hmm. In your story, I followed one teacher by the name of Mickey Sullivan, who teaches in Skyline. Can you tell us a little bit about this teacher and kind of walk us through her day? Yeah, so Mickey has been teaching in the district for 21 years. So she's not uh, she's a she's pretty a veteran teacher. Um, she is a, a single mom, has two kids of her own, and so a lot of uh, her job is. Uh, one part of the struggle she's um, she's been going through is, you know, juggling distance teaching or remote teaching along with taking care of her own kids. And that's been kind of like a, um, a, a stress for her. But um, yeah, what, what I did is I just followed Mickey for a morning as she was teaching a class. And it was just really um, interesting to see up close, you know, what distance learning looks like from the teacher's perspective, because she's really just looking at a, at a zoom screen of like all blank screens. None of them, none of it, none of her students in that class, it was a eighth grade science class on a uh, Wednesday morning. None of them had their cameras on. So she was, it, it kind of felt like she was talking to herself at times. Um, sometimes she wouldn't get a response for a question. And so I think that's, that really just showed one of the biggest challenges that, every teacher, pretty much every teacher I've talked to has said, um, comes with remote teaching is you can't see your students. You can't, and that means you don't know how they're doing. You don't know if they're understanding what you're saying. You don't know if, um, they need more clarification on something. Um, they don't know if they're feeling well or not. Um, like in a class, in a classroom, they would be able to see if a student was laying their head down or, feeling, uh, just not feeling good. And they wouldn't be able to help that student, but now they really don't, they, they really don't have much knowledge about how their, uh, kids are doing. So that just really throws a huge wrench into, into teaching and, um, 
sometimes they never hear from uh, some students at all. They're totally invisible or they don't show up for class or they don't turn in assignments and they try to, you know, contact them. They try to make phone calls, emails, and then they don't hear back. So all of that is just like a huge, a huge challenge that comes with remote teaching. Yeah. And, you know, it's one thing to be like in a boring college class when no one responds, but like, you know, these are middle school students who need to have this kind of engagement to, you know, drill in those basic whatever things you're learning. So this is going to have some long-term impacts of students who aren't getting the experience that we were lucky to have because it's just not the same to have instruction on Zoom and not to mention whatever challenges they're facing behind those initials on that Zoom screen. Yeah, exactly. It takes like distance learning takes away all the social aspects of social and emotional aspects of school. So you don't, it's really hard to have a real connection with an adult or with a teacher um, and among students, like you just, you, I, I think a lot of students are feeling really disconnected and, and because of that, it's harder for them to be motivated to engage is what a lot of teachers are saying. So on top of, you know, the physical realities that a student may be facing, whether they don't have an adequate uh, space to uh, do schoolwork or they don't have enough food on their table to eat. Um, they are also, uh, a lot of students are likely feeling anxious or even depressed or just bored. And so with all of that uh, piling up, it's hard to, a lot of these teachers say it's hard to convince students to to engage every day in, in these Zoom classes. Mm-hmm. And uh, when you spoke to uh, Sullivan, she kind of explained some of the, you know, little glimpses that she's had into students' reality. And, uh, you know, Skyline isn't the most uh, affluent part of San Diego. When you explain some of the challenges that she's seen her students face, like through those little glimpses of Zoom? Yeah, so she um, doesn't know, one, one part of it is she doesn't know where her students are working. Um, she has a uh, she she has seen yeah like you said glimpses um earlier in the year um like uh briefly when a student would turn their camera on sometimes she's she's seen them you know they're in a kind of garage or warehouse type location sometimes when they unmute she hears sounds like roosters crowing so she wonders if they're on a farm or uh she hears what sounds like construction or large machinery and she wonders if their, her, if her students are going to work with their parents um, while they're do, trying to do distance learning as, as well. So, um, and then one time she uh, was, um, there was a student in her class and she learned that the student had a baby on his lap, a baby sibling. So, and then um, I think I think something happened where the baby touched something or uh, kind of uh, uh, touched the laptop. And so that's why there was, she was asking like, oh, what happened? Um, but then the student explained, oh, that was my baby sibling. And so, yeah, it, it just, she doesn't have the full picture of what her students are going through, but from what she has, from the glimpses she has been able to see, um, they're in a lot of different situations and um, they're not in, uh, I guess what you you might, um, they don't always have, they might not always have like a quiet or, a quiet space to work. And so that probably adds to um, the difficulties of distance learning for some students. 
Mm -hmm. And given the fact that, you know, all these students are facing the same challenges that many San Diegans are facing working from home, but without the agency of being an adult to do something about it, how do you change expectations? How do you grade students who, you know, aren't able to focus at the same level that they were able to before the pandemic? Yeah, so I, I read a story about grading um, a lot earlier this month and um, talked about it on Newsfix as well. But um, some things that experts have been recommending is one of uh, one strategy is doing pass and incomplete, changing grades to be pass and incomplete because uh, we he that that expert argued you know we just need to acknowledge that this is not a normal situation and we can't it's unfair or dishonest to use normal grading systems um, and try to force that onto this really difficult situation where a lot of students may not even be able to access their learning. So if they can't access the uh, if they can't access their learning or access it well, then it's not really honest to give them a terrible grade if they just if they didn't uh, have the opportunity to to uh, access the learning um, and then some uh, some of the teachers I spoke to um, one of them Don Dumas at Bonita Vista High School he is um, not failing his students um, because he knows that they're just going through um, different that they're going through all kinds of different situations some of them have had family members who got COVID and so he's um, just trying to, you know, have more, um, what he said is grace and understanding about, about, uh, student situations and, uh, Mickey Sullivan, uh, changed her grading scales so that, um, it's, if, if you got a lower percentage or she shifted it so that, um, the worst grades have a smaller percentage range. And she's also, uh, not requiring homework. She's focusing on classwork. So, you know, whatever assignments she's collecting, the students can all work together on it during the class and she can walk them through it. So yeah, those are just some of the ways that some teachers have been um, changing, uh, changing the way they grade and, and require work and trying to be more understanding of students. Mm -hmm. And what you're describing uh, sounds like a job that's already difficult. I have many teacher friends and it's kind of amazing to see what they do, but now they're doing it, you know, in their kitchens while having to be a parent and all of the realities of working from home and also doing that extra work of making your teaching, which in the past was in person, now it has to be all digital. How much is this causing burnout among teachers? Yeah, so in, in my story, I mentioned there was a, a RAND survey that was done of educators nationwide um, and they, uh, and they found that the majority of teachers say that burnout is like a, a significant concern for them. And also teachers are working, the majority of teachers are working more hours as well um, every week. And uh, when I spoke to the teachers for this story and when I followed Mickey, I could uh, totally see why the why distance teaching takes longer. Um, for example, um, every time a student came in late to Zoom class, uh, Mickey or Mickey Sullivan would have to, you know, re-explain or kind of recap or re-explain everything she had talked about up to that point. And students were coming in like uh, like every twenty minutes or so. Like it was pretty fr uh, frequent that a student was late, 
And um, teachers also say it takes longer to do uh, to give students feedback if they can't, you know, just walk up to them in class and uh, say, oh, you can work on this or I see that you're doing this. Um, whereas now they have to either write it all out, say in a document or an email, or they have to uh, get in contact with the student via phone or um, some other, or make an appointment. And it's just, uh, it, giving students feedback just took way less time in a classroom where you could just walk up to them and verbally say uh, what, what you, um, what you want to tell them. Yeah, the Socratic method doesn't really work when you have a big Zoom and everyone says, oh, no, you go ahead. Oh, you go ahead. And that goes on forever. Yeah. Yeah. The technical aspect of it also takes time. Like there are times throughout the class that I watched where, you know, they would um, a a student had a bad connection and it was difficult to hear them. It was and then um, Mickey had to ask them to repeat it or um, she at the end of class, she spent at least 20 minutes just going over how to submit an assignment with each student. Um, there were lots of students who uh, needed troubleshooting on how to do it. And so she walked through each student that needed help um, on submitting the assignment. And even after all that, by the end of class, not all the students submitted their classwork assignment. And so, but that took like at least 20 minutes and it was running into our next class um, or into students coming in from the next class. So. Yeah, it's definitely the technical aspect adds a lot of time. Mm-hmm. And uh, here in San Diego County, in which uh, some schools managed to open a little bit, but not entirely, what are teachers saying? Uh, do they want to uh, be, be granted the right to go back to school before some of the things reopen? Or are they kind of worried that the pandemic is going to get worse and are willing to continue distance learning, even though it's you know quite a struggle? Yeah, obviously, I, I can't say what every teacher is thinking, but um, the teachers that I spoke to for my story, um, actually, a, a number of them were, uh, in, they d- didn't want to go back yet because they, they do believe that it's not um, safe to do so. And I think especially with the COVID surge that um, is making them uh, want to stay home even more. So basically, even though they totally acknowledge that distance learning is really, really difficult and it's really hard on themselves and their students. They still believe that it's uh, a better alternative at this point with COVID levels, uh, with COVID levels at their, at what they are, they still believe it's better to stay home because they would rather, you know, not um, have either their family members or their students or their students' families catch COVID and get sick or, um, yeah. So yeah, I thought that was, I thought that was interesting, even though we see so clearly what the real, the huge struggles are of distance learning are. Mm -hmm. And finally, uh, everything you described uh, really shows just how much learning loss is likely to occur in the rest of this school year. And also just yesterday, there was even some more saddening news that there may not be enough Pfizer vaccines, though it may be possible that the vaccination effort may take longer than some early estimates suggested. With all this in mind, it's likely that schools won't be able to open at levels that they were in the past until some point in the spring or even summer of 2021. What are districts planning to do or have they even started plans for 
rectifying this sheer learning loss that, you know, is really going to affect students in the long term? Um, I'm actually not entirely sure. That's something I need to continue to ask school districts or and schools. But um, in terms of uh, for student, uh, for high school and middle, uh, for high school students who are having, um, like a, the, the surge in DN, like DNF grades, um, some districts said they're, you know, just focusing on, um, things they were already offering before, such as, uh, makeup classes or extra, extra school, um, uh, makeup opportunities and, um, sometimes tutoring or, um, so yeah, just trying to, and, and also for, retakes um but it's i i yeah I, I would like to see or i would need to look more into what comprehensive learning loss recovery uh efforts that a district might be doing once they have gone back to in-person learning um i'm not entirely sure uh yeah that's something that um i would like to yeah learn more about from schools mm-hmm. all right kristen decada Thank you so much. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you for listening to the San Diego News Fix. It's Tuesday, so listen to the latest episode of Name Drop. Here, the UT's Abby Hamblin and Chrissy Totten interview Alon Rubin. He's the drummer for Nine Inch Nails and Angels and Airwaves, and he also was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame this year and is working on a solo project. Name Drop San Diego is available wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is made possible by subscribers to the San Diego Union Tribune. As we live through this time in history, the truth and facts matter. If you are not yet a subscriber, please go to uniontrib.com slash subscribe. Until next time.